Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Bear Necessities Podcast. Zach and I basically spent the past, I don't know, 15 minutes debating about just how pathetic, or not even debating, not just debating, agreeing. <laughs> talking, agreeing, yeah, about how pathetic the performance was against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, and really, the main things we kind of hit on is just didn't make it hard enough for the Buccaneers. You know, I, I brought up the fact that if you're going to play a team like Tampa Bay, who clearly has the advantage as far as talent goes, um, being an all-around better football team, they have Tom Brady at quarterback, they have basically everything figured out besides injuries at this point. And what you need to do in a game like that, if you want to give yourself any chance of beating them, is back them down deep into their own territory. And, well, the Bears decided that it would just be okay to give them the ball at about the 45-yard line and, and let them score in about three or four plays and get done with it. <laughs> yeah, that was – that was. I mean, we were we were just ripping into it. I told them we had to start recording because we were, we were just trash-shocking the Bears so much. <laughs> Might as well get it on film, right, guys? That's what you want to hear. Uh, but no, the, after the Browns, I think there was the expectation that this 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 has to be the worst um, the Bears play all year. We can't we can't have a game this bad again. We can go on and lose games, but we got to keep it competitive. Uh, and here we are, just you know, four games later, having the worst game, the worst Bears game I've seen in years, and that says a lot because we've had some really really bad games. We've had shutouts that looked better than this. Um, just, yeah. just wow. Wow. <laughs> it was, it was bad. And it was definitely the three points was certainly a pity three points. They could have decided to go and score a touchdown on that drive, but they decided, Hey, we're going to play not for the shutout. And I, I guess I understand, especially someone that's in the position of Matt Nagy, where a shutout <laughs> would just be absolutely devastating. But this game was, was already devastating. And it was, the defense wasn't given a chance at all. Like it's almost hard oh to cr- critique them when they're constantly. You're giving Tom Brady, Leonard Fournette, Mike Evans, and Godwin the ball, and they only need 45 yards to punch it into the end zone. And Tom Brady didn't even play that well this game. If anything is an indication of how ugly this game could have got, he missed. He actually tied his career high for straight incompletions with six straight incompletions I didn't even and know. missed a couple like touchdown passes as well. Like this game could have definitely cracked the fifties. Um, luckily oh, yeah. after halftime, you know, they're often slowed down. We even got a little peep of Blaine Gabbert for hey, all those that missed him. Boy. <laughs> yeah. He came back into the game and that just tells you how, how pathetic and just embarrassing it was. I think a lot of bears fans decided to turn, turn the game off at halftime. And, uh, you know, even after the first quarter, I wouldn't, wouldn't blame you. O-line struggled and, you know, Fields definitely struggled because of that. Where are you putting the share of the blame as far as the offensive woes? Are you are you submitting that the offensive line, you know, gave it all up and didn't give Field a chance? You know, I know I, I've seen a lot of people posting videos of, you know, Fields getting the ball out in like 1.8 seconds being like, he's getting the ball out so quick. But, you know, at the same time, are we being a little too dismissive for Justin Fields? Because I started to see the first few little bit of, of flares of people maybe thinking that he might not be all he's cracked up to be. Well, what's your take on that, Zach? Hey, man, look, uh, people are finally coming around to, to my camp. I'm not, and I'm not in, in the, you know, on the side of the argument that Justin Fields is, is a bust or any kind of, a, you know, uh, he's, he's no good, you know. Tra- the thing is, he's a friggin rookie guys he's a rookie all year i've been saying this he's a rookie he's he's like 22 years old barely knows the game any of these i mean look at trevor lawrence okay no one's playing well no one's playing well none of these rookies are playing well everyone looks at patrick mahomes and goes why don't we do that why doesn't that happen like it just doesn't happen man that's a statistical anomaly so from day one i've been saying hey as soon as we put in justin fields you guys have to recognize like this season is over we're not going to the Super Bowl. The playoffs would be a miracle and only gifted to us by other teams sucking. And we're just <laughs> on track to do that. This is exactly what I said was going to happen. When when we were still in this like pseudo win now mode, the truth was that Andy Dalton probably put us in the best place to do that. But even still, it's Andy friggin' Dalton. And like we we didn't stand a chance in hell in going anywhere deep into the playoffs or, you know, God forbid, the, the friggin' Super Bowl. There's no way. So I think that 
finally, some Bears fans are coming to their senses and going, you, you know, and I, I'll say the O-line sucked, okay? They've sucked all year. It's it's hard to even keep talking about that. But look, when I was watching the game, and I, I only watched basically half of this game because I was, I was so mortified by a 35-3 to three halftime, but... Justin Fields didn't look great, man. He looked he looked scared. He looked kind of, you know, I guess after you throw two or three interceptions, you're, you're just sort of, you, you start to sit on the sideline slumped over. But, um, you know, he took a couple sacks. He's just, he's just making, he's making not the, the smartest decision every play. And, and I agree. He gets the ball out quick. Sometimes he looks sharp as hell. Obviously, there's all the potential there. But he's young. He's behind a shitty O line. Um, the receivers aren't making catches. Look, I, I've been talking about Allen Robinson now for weeks. Like, we should we should seriously be talking about trading Allen Robinson and looking to tear down a lot of the the big contracts on this team because we're going nowhere real quick. Uh, three to thirty eight against any team uh, is bad, you know. And and the Bucks are a great team, but just ha- having two games like this already this season with the Browns and and the uh, the Buccaneers, and you know, you even mentioned before the game the the Rams kind of tore into us too, scoring thirty four points. Like that's it, man. This the season is starting to look like a big wash. And um, I, yeah, I don't know. To answer your question, it's hard to 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 point blame anywhere because we failed at every single level. Yeah, it, it was yeah, it was a bad game in all respects, and. You know, I decided to stick it out and watch the whole game just because I was looking for a you pulse. You were a tough cookie, man. Or, or, or something, you know. <laughs> yeah, I certainly stood in there. It was like, you know, hanging around, you know, 11 rounds into a boxing fight, you know, and just getting thrashed. Um, and really, that pulse never came. And I found it hilarious. I think the Bears were losing 21 to nothing. And they finally got a stop, and Jim Nance was like, oh, here come the Bears. And I almost <laughs> burst out laughing because I was like, oh, he, here comes what? Like, they're yeah. three scores down already, and, like, they're not they're not making any progress. And I, I think on the fields part of it, it's clear that he's not seeing blitzes that are coming up. Like, he's just he's getting hit blindside. He's getting hit in his face. Um, and he's not feeling out the pressure, but to your point, like he is a rookie and there's certainly some slack that needs to be cut. I'm certainly in the camp where, you know, is he absolutely slinging it? No, um, that's clearly not happening. The five turnovers blows the sacks that he's taking blow and, and most of the sacks aren't his fault. But at the same time, I, I don't think this has any ramification into how he can be in the future. Um, I, I think it all. says a lot about where our O-line is at, where this coaching staff is at. I mean, of course, that critique can be made, and there's probably a lot more that can be said on that point as well. Oh, yeah. But it's certainly things to keep a tra- like keep track of. I mean, I, I think that this could very well certainly be the rock-bottom game for Justin Fields. He's talked a lot about having a breakout game in these coming games. And we'll talk about it later on the podcast. He might just have the opportunity to do so. Um, one other thing that I brought up to Zach right before this next game against the Niners and after that the Steelers, which are just not the best football teams. And I think that's probably the weirdest quandary about this team is like there's certainly games out there where this team can win, especially if the defense shows out and puts the team on the back like they have been in so far this season for the most part. But it's just like, it's the weird feeling of, yeah, they can win games, but clearly against the top four teams in this conference, like they can't even hang. Like they're really just not even in the same league. Not, not even close. I mean, not even close. Um, and, and, and not to just shut down your argument already, man, but I, before every single game, I, I, I scroll through all the Bears news. Every game, there's at least one article titled, why Justin Fields is poised to break out against the blah blah blahs. Like, give me a oh. break, man. He's never poised to break yeah. out. We're, we're not. Gonna, <laughs> we're not. We're not poised to break out ever. Okay, this team offensively is trash. We're ranked last in like every single statistical category there is. Um, yards per attempt. You know, uh, yards per game. Touchdowns per game. Like we're we're literally dead last, and we have been for years. For years. I think that that is is probably the biggest indictment on Matt Nagy's career um, with the Bears. It's just that year in and year out, we basically rank dead last in offense, offensive efficiency. So um, to point at Justin Fields and go, it's his fault, or even the O-line, or, you know, 
not to to give the O line any breaks, but or the receivers. Like a lot of this is coaching. A lot of this is scheme not working. Having this rotating door of quarterbacks. Um, excuse me, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I just think I I don't think Fields is poised to have any sort of a big game this year. I, I I was a little bit in that camp, like, hey, maybe against the Lions. You know, we got this really crappy defense, just a terrible team overall. And Justin Fields doesn't even throw a single touchdown, man. He only throws a pick that game. You know, Montgomery went off, had a nice game, couple touchdowns against the Lions. But, you know, we're not seeing, like, any kind of real passing attack. And this is now one, two, three, four, five games where Justin Fields has started. And I think he's thrown two touchdowns. Am I right about that? I believe so. Maybe it, it can't be. It, it can't be more than two. I will say that it can't be more than two, and actually Austin sent me a statistic that I think really puts what you're saying in perspective. The Bears' rushing offense, sixth in there the league. Go. Sixth in the league. Total yards, 32nd. Everyone everyone else that has like, like a top 10 rushing or like a top seven rushing right. offense right. has just about like a top 10 or top 15 offensive rank. That how shows you, you just it, it shows you just how far far back this Bears passing game is like <laughs> when I'm watching this game I'm like oh man this is really like a modern like passing attack like you just wouldn't think it watching the game they really are just leaps and bounds behind and they really have so much more so much improvement but the good news is the fact that if they have that six rushing attack if they can even get up to about like the 18th best path passing attack this offense is gonna be so much better I mean it, it almost serves as a good transition to one thing that I want to talk about and that was just the progression of Khalil Herbert. I mean, once again, wow. he actually broke uh, broke 100 yards for the first time in this game and really has been continuing to run hard. And I think the question that I have as a Bears fan, especially as Montgomery remains absent, or at least in Montgomery's absence, how can we find ways to get Khalil Herbert more involved? I mean, it, it, it's got to be at this point, he's been just absolutely busting it in games where the Bears have not had much good to talk about. He's been the good part. So obviously you got to try to get the ball in his hands as much as possible. While I agree with you, I mean, just, just you know, on paper, yeah, let's get him involved as much as we can. I think the point is that he is involved, man. He's he's the only, like, involved member of our offense, period. <laughs> If Khalil Herbert's running 100 yards a game with, like, only 18 carries, right, under 20 carries, and he's running 100, dude, that's it. That's as much as you can ask of a kid, all right, and especially, like, a rookie. Um, There's not many Derek uh, Derek Henrys out there that'll just run 200 yards a game. Um, Getting him involved, giving him close to 20 carries is what we need, and that's, that's as much as he should handle. No running back should have 30 and 40 carries. That's I don't even know the last time a running back's gotten like 40 carries. But um, th- that just doesn't happen. And, and he's he's the, the most efficient uh, tool we basically have out there. If you're averaging 5.6, I just don't know what else we can ask of the kid. Um, this, this really, really ultimately depends on Justin Fields uh, making plays when he's, when he's asked to. And... I know he's got excuses. Receivers are dropping balls. I see the comments on our YouTube videos like, ah, you're not paying attention to the drops. Like, no, we are. We see them. Either way, you know, I, I've seen an, a number of plays where there's checkdowns where I, I, I know we were ragging on Andy Dalton for checking down constantly, but, like, occasionally you need to just make the smart play, get the first down. Uh, stretch the field when you can, but if your receivers are constantly dropping it, all right, well, then we just need to move the chains. Is that how Use we can get more, yeah. Herbert more involved, though? That's kind of what I'm hitting at. Like, I, obviously, he's done enough with the opportunities that he's given. Like, he's been killing it 100%. Are you saying, I agree are you with saying what you're saying. Give him 25 carries a game no, or something? Or? No, not 25 carries, but like, should we? I think I agree with the 20 carry number, especially if he's going to be the lead back. You know, obviously, if, if the role's taken back, then, you know, 20 carries a game is going to be a little ludicrous. But, you know, should we look in to try to get him, you know, four or five catches a game, too? You know, because one of the main things, and, and that's the reason why I brought it up, is because Justin Fields has struggled to find his checkdowns at times. Right. You know, should it be something in the coaching staff where they're saying, hey, and I don't know, I wasn't paying attention to Khalil Herbert if he was completely in pass pro or if he ever went out for, you know, a route into the flat. 
But should the coaching staff be like, hey, look for Cleo Herbert. If anything, dump the ball off him for two yards and see what he can do with it. Yeah. Um, or if it's getting more involved in the screen game, something. You know, it's just, you know, he's no Le'Veon Bell in his prime, but that's very much what the Steelers did is even though he was getting 20, 25 carries, he was also getting some catches too. And that, and along, along with Antonio Brown, which was, you know, a great receiver, really helped plug along that offense along in like the 2015 through like 2017. But when he's the only thing that's going right, you know, a lot of times my mentality of football is like, you just got to keep trying to, to push what's going. But I get your your mentality as well, which is, you know, how much more can we possibly do with him? <laughs> right. No, I, and I think that that's honestly what this team is missing the most with Tariq Cohen, because Tariq Cohen was was that perfect back who was kind of like verging on really a receiver. Um, he obviously was a good running back, but he he had hands, and he I mean he made some great catches and really some he caught some really deep balls too. So I think missing Tariq Cohen, you know that little Swiss Army knife who who is always kind of sitting out there. For a little check down and, and kind of give it to him and, and let him you know do do a little work. I just don't know uh, how good Khalil Herbert is at catching. I mean, is he is he like known as as kind of a multi purpose back that can also receive? I'm not sure. I think not that I trust this coaching staff so much, but I think that if he <laughs> were deadlier in that regard, we probably would see a couple more plays. Uh, just given how much the team knows. You know he is talented, and he is going to be a guy. I think that's that's around Hallis Hall for a while, or as long as Hallis Hall exists. Um, but uh, yeah, I I, I, mean, I I just don't know if he's got hands like that. Essentially, yeah, and I I don't necessarily I don't need to see him because I low key kind of hate when I see this when he's like flexed out. Well, a lot of times what the Bears like to do with Cohen, which worked a lot better for Cohen and made a lot more sense for Cohen, was to flex him out into the wide receiver, maybe right. bring him back into the, the backfield in motion, maybe not. Um, but, you know, is it like a slip screen? You know, is there a way we can get him involved in the screen game? Anything to possibly slow down the blitz? You know, I'm just looking for ways we can possibly knock down two birds with one stone because it just seems like we're so many stones away at this right. point. You know, there's about 20 mm-hmm. stones. So the quicker we can start yeah, chipping yeah. away some of these issues, the the better off it'll be. But I think you bring up a good point with Cohen. Like, there's certainly a reason why we're missing him and Damian Williams, or yeah, Damian Williams, right? I'm not messing yeah, up there. Damian Williams, yeah. Uh, good guy. It, He's good, and I certainly like what he can bring to the offense as well, but he's not all too much different. Like, of course, there's going to be differences. They're not the same person, but he's not super different in, like, skill set compared to Khalil Herbert. So it's tough to, like, really mix things up a lot there. I think once we see Montgomery come back, and if we have this choice of Montgomery, Khalil Herbert, Damian Williams, and then... I don't know if we're going to see Tariq Cohen at any point this year. Like we could probably make a whole Doubt video it. on Doubt on that as well. But if we yeah. could, that would be a great, you know, four back rotation at that point. I'm sure Damian Williams, you know, maybe Khalil Herbert would see a reduction in some touches. But even still, I think once we get Montgomery back and what we'll have with Herbert as well, the Bears should be able to use that to their advantage and maybe even you know, bring them both into the backfield at the same time. I, I think there's ways that they can utilize this. I know the running back is a little bit of a dying position in the league, or at least it looked like that a couple of years ago. Um, but hopefully the Bears can use it to get to a, a position of strength. That That's at least what I'm hoping. Yeah, and, and you're right. I mean, as soon as we get Montgomery back, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see Khalil Herbert and Montgomery on the field at the same time and just see some dangerous looks we can get that way. Um, and and you're right. We could talk at length about Tariq Cohen's injury, his recovery history, how that's been complicated, and sort of waiting for for him to come back perpetually. Uh, I, I <laughs> seemingly forever, seemingly forever. <laughs> honestly, I, I do think uh, he'll be ready to go at some point this year. But I kind of wonder if Ryan Pace is going to say it's worth it or not. Um, I think that by the time he's ready to go. Uh, we'll either be somehow fighting for the wild card spot, or we will more likely be completely out of the playoff race and looking to basically rebuild. Uh, and in that case, I think he's gonna. I hope he's gonna deactivate some key players. Um, you know, uh, Khalil Mack, and you know, I, I don't know who else. Khalil Mack's really the only 
older guy I'm worried about. Uh, at that point, I hope we've already traded Robert Quinn or something. But, uh, yeah, and I think that they'll just give Tariko on the rest of the year off. They'll just say, hey, man, just make sure you're 110% for next year. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know what kind of cool running back room looks we're going to get this year. It just looks less and less likely as every week goes by. Yeah, no, I mean, that definitely seems very unlikely at this point that we're going to get to see any Tariq Cohen, which is very unfortunate. And uh, if you're looking for more trade talk, too, I know I'm taking a little bit of a pass on it. Uh, might possibly put up a YouTube video on it, but also just go back and listen to the last podcast. Uh, Zach and I really kind of highlighted a lot of kind of key players that the Bears might look to move off. And, you know, there's certainly picked up a little bit of steam behind some of the things, especially behind Allen Robinson's name, a little bit of Robert Quinn talk. Um, and, you know, maybe a little bit of Keem Hicks in there as well. But there's certainly um, some names to look out for. And, and the Bears aren't really a trade deadline team. So, honestly, I can't say I think that's all that likely. But it's really maybe that they should be doing it. Right. Um, yeah. That's the point. Um, but overall, uh, another thing to look out for that really just kind of piqued my interest this week was the fact that we seem to be getting a lot more cues about the offensive line from Jason Peters, of all people, as far as, you know, what offensive linemen are returning, even giving a little bit of projection for Tevin Jenkins. So just to spill some of the news that he he brought out, uh, one part was that Larry Borum should be returning this week, which which is going to be a big thing for the Bears as far as getting their tackle back into the mix. We kind of saw how devastating it was for Lachavius Simmons, that just did not work out well in the first quarter of the Buccaneers game. I believe he gave up at least two or three sacks um, and two of them being forced fumbles as well. And Alex Bars had to came in and step in, which fortunately he did a lot better than Latavius Simmons, but that's not saying all too much. So getting Boron back is going to be a positive thing for sure. And then also says that Tevin Jenkins could be back in a few weeks, maybe indicating that he's going to be coming back after the bye week. I guess my reaction, first off, is good that we could finally be getting some more support along the offensive line since we haven't necessarily addressed it through free agency during the year. But also, why are we getting this news from Jason Peters? I get that he's a veteran, but it just seems odd that it's coming from a player that doesn't have a super huge significance with this team yet. Uh, well, this this actually goes to another point um, that I've been reading, which is kind of interesting and definitely shows that there is kind of a growing lack of accountability in this locker room uh, in that apparently only like three Bears players have been speaking to the media after losses. And yet like nine Bears players are, are reporting for for um, or, you know, showing up for for media days or media uh, interviews, after wins. Uh, and one of the biggest examples of that is like Eddie Jackson. Eddie Jackson has yet to talk to the media following a loss, but he's been there following every victory, which is not a good look. Uh, when you start to kind of put that together, you go, you know, we're shying away from the from the media when, when we lose and when there's somebody needs to take accountability and kind of address what went wrong. But we're all, you know, they're all – hunky-dory and happy to talk to the media every time we we somehow miraculously pull off a win the <laughs> fact jason peters is giving us you know the media the news on the team is is just not a good look uh i want to see you know ryan I've, i want to see ryan pace talking to, to, to the news and, and telling him what the hell is going on where are we at with injuries is this team actually you know worthy of watching for the rest of the season are we rebuilding what's the plan because um, now we're sitting at three and four and it just doesn't look good and I think a lot of Bears fans are sitting here going, like, D- D- should we care? Should I buy tickets to this season? Are we blowing the team up? What's going on? Where are we at injury-wise? Because on the one hand, you know, some some might argue, well, it's not that, that important. What does it matter? Just tune in and watch. Like, no, well, some people, look, there's betters. You know, there's people that bet on this. There's people that buy season tickets that want to plan games in the future. Like, there should be a little bit more communication with the fan base about injuries, kind of the trajectory of this season. I think having a greater level of accountability following two bad losses to the Packers and the Bucks. Obviously, the Bucks being far, far worse. But uh, yeah, I, 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 it doesn't look good, man. It's not a good look when our, you know, second string or third string left tackle is the one delivering all the injury updates. Like I, I just think <laughs> it looks, 
it looks so messy. Like this organization is not organized, you know? So I don't know. Yeah. And I guess another little subtopic to branch off of all of this is the whole, like where in the world is Matt Nagy situation, which yeah. for whatever reason no this past week, I mean, of course he's dealing and honestly, this should be a topic in itself. Like, I don't know yeah. why the hell I didn't make this a topic. Um, and we'll go ahead and just start it now. Kind of a little bit off the top. Um, Matt Nagy could very well possibly not be on the sidelines uh, for this Sunday and filling in possibly would be Chris Tabor, who is the special teams coach, I do believe. I, I believe that's the contingency plan for this team yeah. is if Matt Nagy cannot coach because he has COVID-19, then Tabor will take that role over and be the assumptive head coach for the game. Um, Matt Nagy would need two negative COVID tests in order to be able to coach this game on Halloween. And, of course, subsequently, because of all of this, has been the fact that he hasn't been able to show up to Hallis Hall for media. So he has been doing Zoom interviews. And in the past one, I believe this being Wednesday, when he talked to the media, the team would not disclose his location <laughs> for whatever reason. Yeah. It, He's, Matt Nagy has gone zero dark 30 um, <laughs> and is just off the grid at this point. So I guess it just kind of goes along with we're hearing this news from Jason Peters. Um, Matt Nagy potentially not be coaching. We don't know where he is, whatever the hell is going on with the media. And you bring up a really good point, Zach. Honestly, I really didn't even know all of that as far as which players are showing up for the postgame interviews. But, man, it, I... I think that a lot of the veterans do need to step up. And I think that the Bears do have a lot of veteran players. And I think someone like Khalil Mack is like a, a little bit quieter of a leader. Like he's not a Ray Lewis type that's just going to be getting everyone just amped before the game. But at the same time, we need some people to step up and, and actually you know speak some words for this. Because instead of having Justin Fields, who is already taking enough heat on the field, to have to go ahead and sit for a press conference and take all this heat about why his team is is shit, you know, and then we don't have any of these veteran players taking the blame or like the case you bring up with Eddie Jackson where he's only showing up after wins. Like, come on, man. I, I can get, you know, maybe after a couple games where it's an emotional loss, like you're frustrated, you're not going to show up to the press conference because you're not going to have anything beneficial to say. But it shouldn't be a, a week-in, week-out thing like it is for this team, especially when they're losing games in this capacity. Like, there really are those few things that are creeping up now that are a little bit of a concern for the locker room. And the COVID-19 thing was probably unpreventable. Um, I, I can't really speak too much on that. Of course, that's just kind of a luck of the draw thing for Nagy. Um, quick little tidbit. I mean, the line moved from being minus three and a half to three um, for the Bears. <laughs> so I think Vegas is technically, you know, favoring the Bears without Matt Nagy as head coach, which is a little bit odd, um, just because I don't know anything about Tabor. But just a bunch going on, honestly, as far as the Bears media and locker room go. Yeah, I, I think that San Fran pick has more to do with the fact that they've been on a complete uh, dive bomb for the last few games. But, but no, getting back to the accountability thing, it's just – it's. I can't say this enough, but it's just a bad look. When the veterans on this team, Khalil Mack, Hakeem Hicks, Eddie Jackson, you know, uh, uh, all pros that are, are, you know, supposed to be the leaders of this, the emotional leaders of this team, uh, the statistical leaders of this team, right? Like, they're supposed to really be the guys out there accepting the losses and praising the, the wins. Just don't show up. You know, they don't they don't show up after losses and 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 then the rookies are sitting out there like Khalil Herbert and and uh, Justin Fields have been out during every postgame um, interview, which looks really, really bad when the young guys have to go out there and explain why the old guys lost. Um, and, and again, we're I mentioned this basically once a week, but like we're one of the oldest teams in the NFL on average. So we have a bunch of old guys, bunch of veterans who should be out there talking about what went wrong how they plan to make it better, what's going on in the locker room, like, where, you know, even if it's just a bunch of BS, you know, uh, um, press conference talk, just do it, man. Just show the young guys on the team that this is what accountability looks like. You know, when we lose, we figure out why, and we actually – I'm so sick of hearing Nagy's presidential – well, you know, we obviously got to take a look at the tapes and we, uh, we're going <laughs> to, you know, we're going to study the tapes and really look at the tapes. Like, Nagy, shut up. Somebody else come out here that actually plays. 
Um, I don't know, man. I, I just I want to see this Bears team step up, and it's like everybody stepping back. Um, I'm I'm surprised there hasn't been finger pointing yet because it it feels like we're we're poised to have you know a locker room breakdown in the next couple of weeks. Well, I mean, like I I think the question based off what you're saying is like, who's the leader of this team? Who is the leader of this team? You you would not know. You would not know. And and I'm not gonna advocate against Cleo Mack being this the silent leader. Like he can, it can be that way, but he should still own up and take accountability. Akeem Hicks goes out and plays on the field and is very vocal on the field. But it seems like maybe you got a bunch of guys that are trying to share the responsibility a little bit, and in the process, they're letting all each other like not do anything or nearly enough to be leaders on the team. It'd be one thing like, if it was if you were silent after all games, but like the fact that they all show up to talk to the media after a win, and then the next week when we lose, you know, yeah. zero dark thirty, like <laughs> not a good look, man. Not a good look. It looks like you're you know you're trying to reap the rewards without ever ever you know sharing the the brunt of the blame when it when it's due. So I don't know. Yeah, and like honestly, that's something that the coaching staff should be instilling within these players, though too. I mean, like they shouldn't allow like shit like this to slide. I, it's just simple, simple as that. You gotta have someone step up to the plate, especially when your team is in a critical point like this. Like after a thirty-eight to three loss against the Buccaneers, like someone needs to step up and be like, "Hey, if this team is serious about winning, like we need to like get back on track." Instead of marching Justin Fields out there and he's like, yeah, like I've been having bad games and like I really honestly just want to score more touchdowns, you know, it's like well, you kind of just feel bad for the guy, you know, it's like at some point, like what what else do you want him to say? He's going out there. He's doing as much as he can. I don't think too many people can question Justin Fields effort. Um, and maybe we can start to question the effort of some of these guys that should be giving 100 percent effort no matter what just because they should know better and they've been in the league longer. So, yeah, this team certainly has an accountability problem, and if these are the first signs that the locker room is starting to come apart a little bit, it's certainly a red flag. Um, but, yeah, it, you know, we'll see if Matt Nagy can end up coaching uh, this game this Sunday. I'm not really – I would say odds are, and I don't know how you feel about this, Zach, but I feel like odds are probably pretty low that he can pass two COVID tests. I mean – I would say it's a long shot. Part of me wonders if uh <laughs> no, I'm just getting <laughs> conspiracy theorist here, but even if he passes those tests, if Ryan Pace doesn't go, why don't you just sit this week out, Nagy? Take a little bit of the heat off take, you, you take, know. Just, well, take a little bit of heat also, off all of us, you know. <laughs> more just um let's see if we can do this thing without you. Like let's see let's see how this team runs with you just gone. Yeah. And we'll see how it works. You know, I, I um Admittedly, I like I remember, and I always this is like my biggest defense of Matt Nagy is basically just how how terrible John Fox was, and yeah. and Mark Trustman. I remember during the John Fox era that he couldn't even call timeouts right. Like we would miss timeouts all the time. We would constantly have moments where it's like I'm screaming at the television, call timeout, you fucking like just yeah. screaming, <laughs> screaming, call timeout, and yeah. Um, and he misses it, or he doesn't challenge a play. And and one of the less noticed things is like Matt Nagy challenges at the right times, most mostly. Like he's he's actually. I disagree a little bit. Really? I, not 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 in the past hasn't been a big gripe. I know that just this season, every time I've said that he's made a bad challenge, it was like a bad challenge. Um, I I think he's not scared to take the flag out of his pocket, which is okay. I generally. You know, like coaches to be a little bit more aggressive throwing the challenges. I just know that this year he's at least thrown two, which isn't an absorbent amount, but he's at least thrown two that were not good in my opinion. But I digress, you know, not a huge. Sure. I, I would just say then over the course of his career, he's been on top of things like that, which I know it seems small and insignificant, but, you know, sometimes these are, are game changing moments where you miss a call or you, you actually right. call the replay. So, um, I think that Nagy at least is on top of things like that. He's, you know, generally up to this point anyways, maintained a good locker room presence. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that um, I think that there might be some some sentiment, even from management or Ryan Pace or the McCaskies, to, like, run this thing without Nagy and just see how we do. 
Um, I, I think that secretly, this is just, again, my conspiracy theory hat is fully on here, but that uh, after a loss like we just had against the Bucks, I don't see why we don't try it. I, I, I If I'm a betting man, which sometimes I am if I let, you know, let myself get carried away, but uh, <laughs> I, I'd say that Nagy has basically a 0% chance of keeping his job after the end of this year. Uh, I, I thought that it was going to be a lot higher coming in and now after the Packers and the Bucks I just and even the Browns there's just no way there's no way the fans will let Ryan Pace hear the end of this if he keeps nagging on so I don't see why they don't get an early start on it um I know Austin has been advocating for just like fire him now and you know get on with it um I uh, because we've never done that yeah he's very (laughs) extreme about that uh (laughs) I don't think that that's necessarily the best course of action. I don't think that really helps the team or or makes them feel like we're, you know, even when we're just talking about contract negotiations like Allen Robinson and stuff, just firing Nagy halfway through the year gives us a 0% chance to keep Allen Robinson. Um, Not that that I I think Allen Robinson loves Nagy, but it just shows that there's there's no more organization. Like the, the team is completely blowing up and he's just getting ready to, to leave. I think he already is, but um, firing Nagy midway through the year would be would be kind of a, a blow to the confidence of the team, which some players are playing for their for their jobs. You know, they're playing for a contract next season or for you know to to keep being in the NFL. So I think that that would disrupt the team more than it would help it. But I could see them secretly, low key, just kind of telling Nagy to sit down for a week and see how it goes. Just run it without him. I think the big question there is like, is Nagy, I think it all comes down to Fields' development as to whether or not you would fire Nagy now or not. And the question would be, do you think that Matt Nagy is severely impairing Justin Fields' development, which I think there would be a pretty large number of people that would say yes. But I think there would also be a sizable group that says, hey, what good is bringing him an interim coach going to do to developing Justin Fields. Now I get it. What's the point of having Matt Nagy, you know, ha- keeping a bad teacher around? You know, he's not going to accomplish anything. But at the same time, I'm not sure who the interim coach would be. I don't know if it would be Chris DeBoer. I don't know if it would be um, Bill Lazor. Who would step up to the plate? And But I don't know how much different or what their mentality, what they're saying to Justin Fields would be. Would it completely just stall his development? I don't know. There's so many variables at play, but you'd have to think that's ultimately what it boils down to. That's probably the one crucial element that the Bears are worried about more than anything at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it, it is a little bit hard because there's arguments for and against whether or not Nagy's holding Fields back. I definitely think that the first week or two, the argument was pretty strong that Nagy is going to ruin this kid. But uh, as 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 the weeks went on and as he handed off um offensive coordination or you know the the play calling on offense to the OC Bill Lazor I think that we saw a little bit more fluidity in the offense and I do think that uh Fields will kind of continue to to develop that way but I I it's 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 very very tough to figure out cuz there's so many moving parts when you fire a head coach there's there's we're already having a lack of accountability and and to fire your head coach basically means there's no one to like point the finger at anymore and i think that that could actually put more pressure on justin fields to perform because then there's less of an excuse of oh well Nagy's not managing you right or the, and and whether or not that's even a valid argument uh people are still going to make it and i think that ultimately that'll actually just put more pressure on justin fields to perform because now you know they're going to say well you're less inhibited by you know terrible coaching but uh, interim coaches are, inter- you know, are, are the reason they're not a head coach is because they're generally not fit to be one. Um, someone like Vic Fangio, you know, sometimes they get um, scooped up by other teams, but you know, he hasn't had even that much success being head coach in uh, in uh, Miami. So I, I think I think that firing a midseason would probably end up hurting Fields. But who knows, man? There could be some bold moves made. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, I, I wouldn't be all that surprised to see Matt Nagy fired. Um, I think it would be kind of brutal to fire him while he's fighting COVID, but uh, <laughs> who knows? You know, they might see this as an opportunity to sit him for a week if the if the offense performs really well without him. Uh, who knows, man? I mean, that might give Brian Pace all the incentive he needs to say, "All right, man, you got the axe. Like, you know, we did it without you, and we did it better than we we ever have." 
Uh, that that would be that would be a pretty huge thing if we saw Bears Niners like if the Bears go in and just absolutely decimate the Niners somehow and you you know Justin Fields throws three touchdowns or something I, I think that there's going to be a big conversation that opens up about do we need Nagy is he it, you know is this proof that Nagy is holding Justin Fields back and it'll give that argument a lot of validation so th- this this Sunday is going to be a pretty important game um well, if if especially if if uh Nagy is not there yeah and you brought up Vic Fangio as well who it probably has one of the hottest seats in the league um out there in Denver with the Broncos um so oh, yeah Denver, I, mean, I we said can, Miami I messed that up my bad you're right uh, yeah it's all good I mean both of them they're kind of like the same caliber team at this point so yeah no kidding <laughs> but um We'll move on to the the last topic before we do our preview of Bears Niners, and we don't have to touch on it all too much because we talked extensively about Justin Fields, this offense, um, and Matt Nagy as well. But you know, Justin Fields came out and said that a breakout game is coming. You know, if not this game, then you know a week coming up. I know Zach's already shaking his head talking about you know how <laughs> no. how much this has already been reported about the whole Fields you know breakout game, but he brought it upon himself. You know he brought it up by himself this week, so you gotta address it. But really, it just sprung a couple of questions to my mind, and it's just how can the Bears get into the end zone more often? Because right now this is a team that didn't score a touchdown this past week. At, at max, they're usually scoring two touchdowns. On a good game, they're scoring two touchdowns. Um, three is an excellent game. So how do the, how in the world does the do the Bears maybe get into the end zone four times? I know that seems just unbelievable, but how can they get to that point? And it, and it's branching off of that. Is there any hope that this team can become at least a mid twenties point per game offense? And you know, at least my read on that is like, hell no, it doesn't seem like this team's gonna ever reach that the way that they're going, but. How do you feel on that, Zach? Is there any hope for this offense kind of moving forward through the rest of the year? No. Okay. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> end of segment. That's the end of the show, guys. Thanks for listening. No. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, hopefully yeah, you enjoy the game against the Niners, and uh, <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll get you our post-game reaction right. up. This right. offense ain't doing anything. <laughs> yeah. Bye. Goodbye for the season. No, uh, look, 20 points a game. Come on. Come on, man. We're lucky when we score 14. Well, I'm uh, wishing, dude. But like, that's that's what NFL teams should be doing. Like, that's the benchmark for yes. what NFL. They should be scoring 100%. at least into the mid twenties. Mid twenties. And you're having an average game if you score twenty. I mean, that's like the, the bare minimum average type <laughs> type offense. Is like yeah. you scored twenty. You scored two touchdowns and two field goals or something. Like, you know, God, if you can't do that, who are you? You're just you're just. A pathetic team. Um, you're the Bears. <laughs> you're the Bears. Yeah, we're you're dead last in offense. So no, I think we have a zero percent chance we're going to average anything over twenty points a game. Um, in terms of how do we score more, there might be statistics that argue against what I'm about to say, but pretty much just like complete your red zone trips. I mean, stop turning the ball over in the red zone or just kicking a field goal. Not that we've even kicked many field goals, but I feel like we've marched downfield more than a few times and just not scored. We either got sacked, pushed us out of field goal range, or we, you know, we opted for the field goal, or we went went for it on fourth goal, fourth down, and turned it over. I could be wrong here. I, I maybe I'm misremembering history, but I I think we've pretty much just like we've converted like two fourth down, you know, or had two fourth down conversions. Not very successful on that. We're just even. I'm looking at this right now. If this is correct, we've had our third down conversions are 25 of 80. So basically, yeah. all of our drives stall. When we get into the red zone, we can't finish. Um, you know, I, I I know we've moved the ball downfield, thanks in large part to our rush. We we have a lot of uh, talent in the running back room. Montgomery, when he was out here, looked like the best player on the team, uh, save for you know maybe Khalil Mack or something. But uh, we've we've gotten we've moved the ball a, a few drives i've seen some drives usually the first scripted one we actually look pretty tight um most games we've kind of come out on that first drive and been like all right we're moving the ball we get to the red zone and then we just don't score we kick a field goal or something if we're not scoring touchdowns like like you said it at the beginning of this podcast man those three points we got were literally just to prevent a shutout that was pathetic that was pathetic us kicking a field goal after being down 21 to 0 
<laughs> what are we doing? What are we doing? Like, uh, what are we even teaching this team about, like, how we're going to win games? Or I, I just, it blows my mind. It's more about pride than it is, like, winning the, the friggin' game. Um, yeah. I mean, really, the first quarter, it was 21 to 0. You can't, and, and you even said you can't even fault the defense. I, if I was on the defense and I'm looking at our team, we haven't scored a single point, and, and here Tom Brady's just ripping into us the first quarter, like, you just lose all incentive. Like, all right, well, you know, if it was 21 to 14, as a defense, you come together and go, look, we let up three scores, but our offense is keeping us in this. Like, we got to get a stop here. No, once it's 21 to 0, you go, screw that, man. I'm saving my body. Like, I don't care. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, so they're going to constantly push your offense into tough positions. Anytime they don't get a drive that goes all the way, they'll kick you. You know, they'll 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 uh, punt it into into the corner, so you have you have a rough starting position. Like, like red zone trips have to count. They have to matter. You have to score a touchdown. You got to get seven points and come away with it. We can't survive on field goals. This team historically loves to kick field goals and try and chip away towards a win. It's just not going to work. We need explosive plays, and we need friggin' touchdowns when we get into the red zone. Like, go for it on fourth. If you fail, screw it. Don't kick it field goal and feel better about a 3-38 to 38 loss. Ugh. <laughs> no, that's well said, and I think you also brought up another big thing is, yeah, convert on third down. Like, oh, my goodness. That was one of the oh biggest God, issues in the Tampa man. Bay game. They couldn't convert a damn third down for the life of them. Um, but... Also, too, the red zone is a big thing. That was something they seemingly got a lot better at in 2020. Now it's becoming a little bit of an issue again. And, yeah, the explosive plays are are all that. I mean, the explosive plays have come from the running game almost entirely. You know, it's been Khalil Herbert. It's been David Montgomery getting big chunk plays. And you also said it right. Like, basically everything you said was pretty much right on. And the fact that this Bears team can usually move the ball – I mean, against the Buccaneers, it was a lot tougher, but they moved the ball for the most part against the Packers, and then in the weeks before that against the Raiders, they're moving the ball. But they still should have even scored more. They just really hit a point about that 30-yard line until they get into the red zone where they stop converting as much. And I think it's because the field gets too tight. Um, the defense is really able to start to put the pressure on scheme, and they're just not scoring in, in, in big situations. I think in situations where the defense knows what they have to do, the Bears are just not really able to quite fit the bill. So a lot of that comes from, and it's been such a word with this team. Like everyone's just like calling up on the radio saying, okay, how do we fix this offense? Oh, we're going to do play action. And it, it would be completely annoying, but it's also not incorrect. I mean, this team really needs to know, learn how to balance out its play action um, and, and work that in correlation with this or more in connection with the running game. I mean, they're getting so much out of the running game. It's just, there's no way you can be sixth in rushing offense and not know how to do a damn play action. Like, it's just written all right out in front of you. You're getting teams to playing their players into the box, but what ends up happening in turn is they just blitz you because they don't respect your passing game because your passing game sucks and you don't ever do play action. <laughs> it's just, it's so aggravating. Yeah, the, the play calling needs to build upon itself, and they, they've failed to sort of do that despite having like as you mentioned a couple times just such a good uh run attack so you know what is that to me that just looks like coaching that just looks like play calling and coaching and and even as we've handed it off to bill laser and we've seen a little improvement it, it hasn't been enough and it's just we're not scoring man um you can say all you want about the defense if we're putting up three points we're cooked that's it there's no game in the history of the nfl you know basically one three to zero maybe there is like one but it's a his you know it'd be a historical game so um, there yeah. was a, a Steelers I actually remember the day it was back uh, when Ricky Williams yeah. played on the Dolphins it was a 3 nothing Monday night football win um, for wow. the Steelers in Miami but it was a complete downpour just one of the ugliest games you'll ever watch okay, in your life sure. so yeah I mean it was I mean they played bad offense but at the same time the conditions were excuse, very much an actual them. valid one yeah but the Bears just do it on any given Sunday. <laughs> so with that being said, let's just go ahead. We'll cut out the BS. Let's get into this Bears-Niners. This is probably one of the more intriguing games on the schedule this year because it's a game that on paper, with how both teams are trending, the Bears probably st should still win this game. 
which feels very interesting to say. But the the San Francisco 49ers are currently on a four-game losing streak. They have a bit of an identity crisis. They don't really know what the hell they're doing out there. Um, As far as it will be Jimmy Garoppolo starting this game. It won't be Trey Lance. They have a good receiver in Debo Samuel. But they're a team that really likes to run the ball, but they're just not quite getting it done enough. The defense is just not quite as stringent as it used to be. Still some players for this Bears offensive line to be worried about, though. But, yeah, other things, Mack could, uh, Khalil Mack could potentially be out. It seems pretty likely. There's also some rumors floating around that he might hit short-term IR. But what are your initial impressions of this you know, Bears 49ers matchup? Uh, it is a little interesting because coming into the year, this game was definitely projected as a loss for the Bears. Yeah, um, I'd say so. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think anyone would have would have you know picked the team that was in the Super Bowl two years ago to to lose to the struggling Bears with a rookie quarterback and Andy Dalton. Right um, now, things are different. Now uh, the Niners are in a total identity crisis. They're caught between two quarterbacks. They don't really know who's the best option at the moment. Uh, you know, Garoppolo's the immediate. Trey Lance is the the future. But, you know, both quarterbacks have been struggling. Um, I I think we do. You know, Vegas is usually right, just in general. Um, go figure. But uh, I do think that we are looking at kind of a likely win here. Um, the Bears basically have to perform mediocre in order to, to come away with the W. Just don't have a lot of turnovers. Let the defense, you know, do their thing. Don't give up 38 points again. But if we can even keep them to, to something like under 20, I, I could see us coming away with the win. However, this, again, always rests, as it usually does, in the the hands, hands of Justin Fields. Like, Justin Fields needs to throw one or two touchdowns here. We can't rush yeah. three and four touchdowns to, to, to win this thing. Um, I just don't see it happening. I don't I don't see us I would say, getting I would say that we much need... scoring on the run game. And it's tough. It's tough to, to run a touchdown in. You know, when, when it's second and five or something, like defenses know how to just stack the box and, and hit you hard. And they can, um, they you know, they can usually, like you, you need to be able to be a versatile offense to score in the red zone. And if, they're, if we're constantly showing we're just going to run, 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 well, then they can just set up run defense. And, and those, are, those are tougher scores. So I don't think that the 49ers are going to come out here and, you know, put up 30 points on us. I, I God, I hope not how embarrassing that would be. Um, but, you know, they put up 41 against the Lions. Uh, they put up 28 against the Packers. And uh, and they're, they're not like a, a defective offense. It's not like they can't score. Uh, so so the, the keys are basically just Justin Fields has to have a good game. He can't have a game like he did against the Browns or the, uh, the Bucks. So I think yeah. Khalil Herbert's going to come out and do his thing. Uh, hopefully Damian Williams can actually show up and give give him a little bit of assistance. You know, against the Bucks, he only had like three carries, but I think he got five yards and three carries. So that's not going to cut it. Uh, Herbert's going to need some time off a little bit. He's going to need somebody to come in and rotate. It's hard to just have one back do everything. And, and you know, to your point earlier, how do we get him more involved? I, I think he's as involved as he's going to get. He's a rookie. He's already, you know, running for 100 yards a game in under 20 carries he's not gonna he's not gonna score three touchdowns you know and at the moment we basically have one running back capable of of being the bell cow Damian Williams hopefully can pick up some slack but this is going to be Justin Fields and the receivers I mean Allen Robinson where are you dude uh for all the hype I gave him (laughs) preseason I'm starting to to feel the weight of my own words like no, I, I I get the argument now that he's not a top five receiver, and I, I still feel like talent-wise he is. But it's hard for me to keep making this argument, man. You're making me look like a fool. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Give me something I, to work with, Robinson. Have a 100-yard game, for Christ's sake. Yeah. I don't think he's made over 70 so far this year. I could be I don't think he's made it over like 60, has he? Yeah, maybe not. I think it's been like 56 has been the high or something. And I'd say for for Justin Fields, since he has the potential to run it in, I'd say give me two total touchdowns at least. But they certainly need some production from him. Um, And I think it's going to be a low-scoring, kind of grinded-out game. I know what what you said about the San Francisco offense rings true. And and maybe I'm, I'm really trying to convince myself to find a way that this can be a Bears win. 
And in my head, the way that the Bears can win this is if this is a 17 to 14 game. That's going to be my prediction for the week is that the Bears win this game 17 to 14. Um, just ugly. They have the home field advantage. It's going to have to be ugly, I think, for them to win it. I'm not expecting the breakout game to be this week. And frankly, I'm a little scared um, of what the, the 49ers could possibly still do. I don't want to be in a situation where I'm watching Nick Bosa, you know, drill <laughs> Justin Fields into the turf. It's yeah. just every team has good edge rushers. And for an offensive line that struggles on the edge, any team that has an edge rusher that's worth their salt makes me scared, to be frank. Um, and that could be one huge tipping point. I mean, if this offense has three turnovers again, they will lose this game. And if this offense, you know, has two turnovers that put the 49ers in the plus side of their field, they will lose this game. There there are a lot of ways that the Bears can figure out a way to dump this game, even though the San Francisco 49ers are on a four-game losing streak. Uh, but if the Bears keep it clean, even if they still don't have the most productive week on offense, there is a way that they can grind this game out, and that's the reason why I'll make my prediction. Uh, I'm just hoping the Bears can rebound once again. It was a little bit kind of the same <laughs> same methodology where I, I want the Bears to win maybe a little bit too much, and it's tainting my prediction. Yeah. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure how you feel about it, Zach, but I would not blame you one bit for predicting a Bears loss. <laughs> uh, did you? So you're saying 14-17 Bears? I'm saying the Bears score 17, the 49ers score 14. Yeah. I'm I'm saying that's the way that the Bears can win the game, and I'm saying that's going to be my prediction, just that's on a little happy-go-lucky okay. kind of style. <laughs> um, You know, the thing is that the Niners' defense, I, I think you could argue, is is potentially a top-10 defense. Um, they're, they're definitely struggling on offense to score a little bit, especially in recent weeks and against good teams in particular, but – uh, their defense is not um they're not like bad you know they're not they're not yeah. some lions defense where you can just go ah we'll just throw it over the top of them and you know darnell mooney's going to have himself a 125 yard game probably not um i do think that this is going to be a slugfest <sighs> i don't want to say this um and i and i do think say that we have a i think we have a high chance of of what i'd almost still consider pulling off the upset i think the niners are going to beat us I just, in yeah. my gut, I don't think that we are, that we're there yet and that we're a team that is going to um, pull it together and, and now, you know, he's going to have, a, uh, he, Justin Fields is going to have a breakout game and throw, you know, for 250 yards, which, a breakout game, 250, come on. But seriously, like, he hasn't eclipsed 200 this entire season. He hasn't had more than one touchdown uh, in a game this entire season. He's only thrown two touchdowns all season, and he's thrown like six or seven picks or something. Um, I just don't I just don't see how we win. What, what we do, uh, unless the defense comes away with a bunch of turnovers, I just don't know how many we're going to point up. I'm going to take your prediction, and I'm going to flip it. I'm going to say like we it. score 14, yeah. and they score 17, and we're going to lose yeah. by a little bit here. And that's you know, probably even more possible. I mean, this, the bears are a very flawed football team. I I think that there's one thing that I want to be made clear on this podcast is that there really shouldn't be a game in which you feel all too confident about picking the Chicago bears. And this may be one of the games where you start to feel a little bit of that confidence again, but this is a team that week in week out is just not consistent. They don't have the offensive production to make you feel confident behind any kind of prediction. And like you said, I mean, these are kind of similar teams in the right that, you know, the 49ers defense isn't all that terrible and some of their offensive struggles that they've had, like they've put up some points. They, you know, they hit forties. The bears team can only dream about hitting forties. Uh, but I think against a good yeah. defense, the, the bears give themselves just a bit of a chance like you said, you know, this game is probably completely dependent on the turnover battle. I, I think whatever team gets more turnovers and gives themselves better field position is just going to increase their odds to put the ball into the end zone. All I can say is hopefully the Bears don't rely on field goals. If the Bears are kicking more than three field goals in this game and they're only scoring one touchdown, I'm not feeling all too confident the Bears are going to pull it off. 
Um, they need to get the ball in the end zone at least a couple of times and give themselves a fair chance. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe it, maybe it will be a fourteen sixteen game. <laughs> oh man, fourteen seventeen. Um, right, yeah, it's just three four four field goals start the game. I mean, I will say, uh, you know, a small note, but Cairo Santos has the longest uh, active streak for consistent field goals made without a miss. Um, so, I don't know, maybe we do put the game into Cairo Santos' hands and say, hey, man, you know, the thing is, if we're getting into the red zone every trip, I, I don't necessarily mind field goals, but you're just never going to beat the good teams like that. You're never going to no. win big games kicking four field goals. It just doesn't happen. Like, you know, there are those rare games where both teams are, are or one team is just turning it over again and again, and you keep getting the ball, and you kind of, you know, especially when you get a lead, you know, you, you emerge to a 10-0 and lead or something, or 20-10. Yeah, then I can understand you starting to kind of just chip away and kick field goals and, and make sure you're still increasing that lead and, and keeping them at bay. But we, half the time, more than half the time, we're playing from behind, and we still have this weird conservative play calling uh, where we're, we're looking for just to get down there and get a field goal. And like you said, just to prevent the shutout, like, screw that, man prevent the shot like who cares we lost 38 to three you know like th those three points didn't make anybody feel better uh just just let it be a shutout let them let them see what it is go for the touchdown get the experience of trying trying to go for it on every fourth down and you're down 20 points man i want to see you go for it on every single fourth down i don't want to see you punt the ball anymore when you're down 21 to zero against tom brady i just like d send the punter home because there's no point you might as well just try everything you got to win the game. Um, even by the first quarter. I know I sound like a crazy person, but, like, I just don't care. This Bears team is just – they need they need to, to have that, like, dog mentality where they're going to go out there and, and fight to the, you know, the last the last breath they got. So, I I, I don't know. I, I think that this Niners team isn't going to be quite as big a test as the Bucks and the Packers were, but I'll say this. If we can't beat them – this next podcast is going to be laying out a list of demands for how to blow this team up because there's no point. There's no point. If we don't beat the, the Niners this week, I say it's over and we blow this team up, period. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly this two-game stretch of the Niners and Steelers where it's winnable games and if the Bears lose this first one, if they can only split, it's a pretty big blow. If the Bears end up losing both of them, Yes, you should probably be writing off the season. The team will be three and six at that point, and then creeping back up into a rotation where the games do get a little bit stiffer again with another matchup against. But no, the here's Packers. here's here's one thing I just wanna, I just wanna throw in there to interject. We can't wait till the Steelers game. If I'm if I'm correct, the de the trade deadline is November second. This is our last game before the trade deadline. Meaning oh, you're we have right. to make. Yes. We have to make decisions literally after this game. I think that if there was one last game to say, this is the most important game, this is the most important game. This is a team that at the beginning of the year we were supposed to lose to. At this point, despite all of our flaws, we're supposed to win. Um, if we lose, and especially if it's in kind of even semi-spectacular fashion, Ryan Pace, if you're listening, blow the team up. It's over. It's over. There's no point. Trade trade Allen Robinson. Trade Akeem Hicks. Uh, maybe look. I guess you probably can't trade uh, Tariq Cohen because he's he's still injured. But man, I would be. Yeah. I would blow this team sky high. I would just say get rid of every expensive contract. Look to rebuild. Look to the future. Um, this game's going to be huge. Yeah, that is a clutch point to bring up um, with the trade deadline. So, yeah, you don't even really have that two weeks. In the scheme of the season outlook, then the two-game run is pretty important. But when we're talking about yeah. um, the decisions that have to be made uh, about the trade deadline, then, yes, this game means just about everything. Um, so, yeah, guys, you're definitely going to want to be tuned into this game and certainly be looking out for all the different content we're going to put out about it um, definitely gonna get a little trade crazy as the deadline is looming now at november 2nd i can't remember too do the bears play do the bears have a bye week between the steelers game or do they have it after the steelers game i know they have a bye week coming up sometime soon uh they they have the bye week after the steelers okay so yeah make sure you guys yeah 
make sure you guys uh, all keep it tuned in here um, for the 49ers game coverage, some trade deadline coverage, as well as looking ahead to the Steelers before the Bears go on to buy. Basically, we're going to know a lot about this team before we go into the bye week. It's going to make it really interesting. Um, it might turn yep. into a very depressing podcast very quickly um, by the time we get to the bye week. But let's hope think not. We're depressing already. <laughs> yeah, right. I, yeah, I mean, that's a, a very solid point. Um, <laughs> but we really appreciate your guys' support. Um, and make sure you guys, if you're not tuning in already, check out the content that we put out onto YouTube. If you're listening to the full podcast, you're hearing just about everything. We do put up a little bit of exclusive content onto YouTube, some things that aren't put onto the podcast. Um, so make sure you guys are staying tuned into that. If you are enjoying the podcast, make sure to leave a five-star review. rating and a written review and we haven't done it in a while i will double check to make sure that we don't have any written reviews but we will read out your written review if you do leave us one and uh yeah other than that i'll leave it to zach if you have some last words but that's all i had and that's that's it Uh, hopefully yeah hopefully you guys leave some reviews some comments uh you know any of our videos we we definitely take a look at every comment and every review and we try to reply to as many as we can so if you guys want to pick an argument with us, pick an argument, man. We'll fight you. Yeah. So it's a load of fun, honestly. I I, I do cool. not mind being called out in the comments. There are times where I do say stupid things. There are times where <laughs> I will comment things that are probably incorrect. I try to be as correct as I can, um, but I certainly, you know, I like to have my opinion heard. Um, especially when it comes to the Chicago Bears team. So love reading what all you guys have to say um, down in the comments section. And, uh, yeah, other than that, bear down. Looking forward to this next game. (laughs) Bear down, guys.